You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor George Willis, which is titled Overcoming Discouragement. For more information, please visit our website at creekside.org. Well, hey, good morning, everyone. I want to welcome everyone online. Uh, Thank Jesus for AC, right? I I woke up today going, I know it's going to be hot, and uh, so I'm going to dress a little casual and wear a t-shirt. It's our camp t-shirt, by the way, but here's what I realized. I get hot really easy, then I start to sweat, then I realized, oh man, I'm wearing the wrong color shirt. So forgive me, I'm just going to say it up front, if you just start seeing dark spots, if you start seeing dark spots on the shirt, uh, you know I'm just preaching my guts out, so... uh, It'll work. But uh, can we let those online know that we in-house get, love them by making some noise? Come on. Uh, I know Tree's wa- uh, with us moderating. Um, Mark Hanskin's watching from Florida, if you know who Mark is, with the Sealanders. Yay. And... Um, Uh, a whole host of others that are watching. Uh, Thank you for joining us online. Glad you're with us. Uh, Camp this week was awesome. I appreciate you guys praying uh, for those who went to camp, including myself. I got to be a part of the worship team with my good friend Jake and Aaron and my wife. And uh, Jake did a fantastic job. Pastor Christina and Pastor Jesse did a fantastic job leading our students. I think we ended up taking like 60 students to um, uh, youth camp and, I don't know, 25 to kids camp. So you do the math. Uh, God is up to something in our, the younger generation of this church. And uh, continue to pray for both of them. Uh, you'll hear more about camp next Sunday. Next Sunday, not only do we get to celebrate all the good things and all the God things that happened at camp, but we also get to celebrate baptisms. And if you've never been baptized or you were baptized as a kid, uh, and now this whole relationship with Jesus uh, means something and you understand what it means and, uh, and you want to be baptized again, talk to Pastor Jesse or Pastor Christina or myself and you can be baptized again. But show up next week. It's going to be exciting and a lot's going to happen. Uh, all, with all of those good things that I've talked about, Here's what I want to talk about this morning. Discouragement. I woke up this morning. (laughs) Yeah. Woo! (laughs) It's going to be good. Uh, I woke up this morning and I was reading my Bible. Uh, Jake's been staying with me. uh, Or with us, not with me. I I got a wife too. Yeah. We've had a week and a half long sleepover. Yeah, me and you. (laughs) And uh, so this morning I was up, I was reading my Bible, he comes out the room and he's packed up and he's leaving for church. About 15 minutes after you left, I hear this like, I'm like, what is that? Thought maybe a sprinkler was broken or whatever. I, I opened my curtains, there's two dudes trying to break into the car across the street what? in my neighbor's car. And did you get them? I, I did, I, I went out. Uh, they were in masks, and they, they were prying uh, passenger door. I mean, just right there, broad daylight. Everybody's home. And um, what I wanted to say was, hey, you guys making your mama proud? 
What I ended up saying is, hey, what are you doing? It was pretty obvious what they were doing. They took one look at me and bolted as I stood there with my glasses, my cup of coffee, my pajamas on. Total (laughs) suburban dad, right? (laughs) Hey, what are you doing, you youngsters? Causing mischief in my neighborhood? So that's how I started my day. How was your day going so far? Yeah. So we're talking about discouragement today. Pretty discouraging state of our world, but I'm not going to get into that. That's a whole different topic. Discouragement. It's kind of like this. You know, if the, if, you know, the worship team killed it, by the way, every single person up on the stage today, except for James. I knew where you were going. Yeah. Uh, was part of worship at camp. So they led all week, and then they came here and played for us. But you take the worship team, for example, they're killing it. There's, yeah, <laughs> some, <laughs> never mind, I'm not going to say slay. Uh, they're killing it. They're leading us in worship, and, and the Spirit's moving, and we're all engaged. And, you know, let's say uh, Christiana just said, all right, I sing my part, I sing my harmony, I sing my one song, and then she walks over to Jake and says, hey, Jake, you know what? I'm, I'm done. I'm done with my part, so I'm out. I'm going home. Cool? Cool. And then she leaves the stage. She exits. You know, I sang my harmony, I'm done, I'm headed home. Now that would be weird, wouldn't it? Like everybody else out here would be like, what? What's going on? They're a member of the worship team. I'm not picking on Christiana. She was just one of the vocalists up there. But they're a member of the worship team and they're expected to do what? To stay through the entire service serving as part of the team. And their presence alone, we know, adds a touch that is needed uh, for the team to be complete. It's harmony. And it would disturb and disrupt others if some were to leave the moment they finished their part. Instead of us focusing on God, we'd be watching Christiana talk to Jake in the middle of worship, and then we'll watch her leave the stage and walk out the door. And then what happens? We are distracted, right? Our focus moves from God onto the person leaving. I think that's kind of like the prophet Elijah. I don't think, I know. Especially as I spent some devotional time on this passage this week. The prophet Elijah didn't check with the team leader when his part was over. What did he do? He just simply packed up and left when he got discouraged. For those who may not know, he was a, uh, Elijah was a prophet in Israel in the Old Testament. He appears upon the stage of Israel's history with a shout and then he disappears from that same stage in a whirlwind. And in the middle of this, in the middle of a shout and this this disappearing act, in the middle of it, he had a devastating experience. A devastating experience. There's a really old dude who's not with us anymore, and some of you may know. I'm pretty sure my friend Dave Bartke knows F.B. Meyer. Yes? No? He said this. It is noteworthy 
that the Bible saints often fall just where we should have expected them to stand. At one moment, we view extreme confidence from Elijah. We, we, we see assurance and we, we see power. And the very next, we see Elijah sitting under a juniper tree saying, saying like so many of us in this room have said, when we get discouraged, and you may be familiar with this phrase, I quit. I give up. I'm done. I'm through. I can't take this anymore. Am I just preaching to myself today? Seems like nobody seems to care. And I know this feeling from personal experience. I fight this every Monday morning. I have fought discouragement throughout my life. And if we're being completely honest with myself or ourselves, you would probably say, I fought a few battles of discouragement as well. And when you get to this place of discouragement, here's what I know about me. I will do some pretty dumb and stupid things. Anybody with me? Because what happens is our mind, it goes awry. It, you know, it kind of, we start thinking a little off center. And in my case, knowing what I was about to do was wrong, what did I do? Probably like you, we went ahead and did it anyway. Right? It's so easy just to give up. Oh, pastor talked about serving again, and I, oh, I know I should, but you know what? It's just easier to check out and not go to church anymore. Here's what I know to be true. Discouragement is everywhere. All I had to do was walk out my door this morning and see it right across the street. It's everywhere. Some of us turn on that. My wife won't even watch the news anymore. It went from like amazing stories about talented cats (laughs) to people getting you know, whatever, it's 7-Eleven on a daily basis. Discouragement's everywhere. You don't have to look very hard to find it. I mean, it, discouragement is just running rampant in our, in our homes and in marriages and relationships and our jobs that we have, in our schools, uh, in our government. And yes, discouragement is even apparent and running amok in our churches. Anywhere you find people, guess what? You're going to find discouragement. And if you haven't experienced any discouragement in your life or you just need to, you want to experience it just to remind you how bad it is, go to Costco. (laughs) Play golf. Try running a mile. Whatever you got to do, just so you know. I think discouragement has been called the grave in which 95% of today's people live. From the beginning has been one of our enemy's primary most effective weapons to use against us discouragement 
And here, I'm here to tell you, if you are within earshot of my voice, or you're watching online, this, that is not God's best for us. This is not our home address. We're not even to rent space here. If 1 Kings 19 says anything to us, it says that you and I can overcome discouragement. Whatever discouragement we face, we can overcome it. I think the life of Elijah reveals three things that we must do to overcome discouragement. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write down the number or the first thing we can do. The first thing we can do is we can recognize the causes of said discouragement. Recognize the causes. And now we're going to go through, you know, 1 Kings 15 through 19. I mean, it, it's a complete story of Elijah and, and how uh, the, the discouragement he went through right after having some success as a prophet, he immediately goes through some discouragement. And I'm going to give you a quick summary, but I want to encourage you to read the story of Elijah when you have time on your own with your own Bible. Break it open and read the story of Elijah. But let me give you kind of a summary and we're going to go through, but I'm going to give you some things you can hang your heart on today. Recognize the causes of discouragement. Here's a little context. Israel's king, King Ahab, he was a bad man. He was married to this chick named Jezebel. And Ahab and Jezebel really were kind of Satan's agent of the time. They were being used by the enemy in Elijah's day. And Ahab said that Elijah was, you know, the one who was troubling Israel. It's all, it's all Elijah's fault. I mean, we're familiar with that phrase, right? It's so-and-so's fault. It's our president's fault. We're, we place blame on other people when we're faced with discouragement. And after the defeat of the priests at Baal, Ahab and Elijah both returned to the city of Jezreel. And after Jezebel learned of the death of her priests, she became really angry. She was mad. And she proclaimed a judgment on the prophet that devastated Elijah. So here we have the wife of the king going, I want this dude dead because I really don't like him. And this is what she said in 1 Kings 19.2. It says, May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Now, if you're familiar with how the New Testament ties into the Old Testament, you, you know, it's right here that the Apostle James was able to write about Elijah where he said Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. It was right here that discouragement hit Elijah like a brick in the face. It hit him and it destroyed his faith in God. Have you ever had any discouragement in your life where you questioned or doubted God? I mean, if we're being transparent... For being honest, most of us have. From what we know of Elijah, we should have expected that he would have received this message from uh, Jezebel quietly and 
you know, being a, a man of faith like we know him to be, he should have serenely laid it before God in a calm confidence, assured of God's protection. Right? God's got this. God's got me. I'm not worried. But instead, we read, when he heard this message, what did he do? Elijah got up and he ran for his life. He was afraid. And under the broom tree in the wilderness south of Beersheba, Elijah did this. He said, God, I want to die. Take my life. Only 24 hours before, Elijah had seen God's power revealed. And the, and the, pro, uh, the false prophets you know, were slain. And really, the nation of Israel was on the verge of repentance. And it was beginning to rain because he was, it hasn't rained. He prayed, he prophesied. And, and, but now, instead of celebrating the victory of God moving, he's sitting there and he's discouraged. Discouraged to the point where he just wants to give up and die. What caused this? What was the main cause of Elijah's discouragement? I believe the main cause of his discouragement was he lost sight of God and he took his eyes off God. And then all he saw was a furious woman wholly capable of carrying out her threat. This resulted in him feeling like, you know, some of us would say, Lord, I- I'm, not, I'm not feeling appreciated. And Elijah, you know, we can see that he had an overactive mind. But I'm not doing well. I'm at, the point, I'm at the end of my rope. You know, he's saying, they seek my life. They seek my life. But in reality, it wasn't they. It wasn't a mass of people. It was just one woman, Jezebel. How many of us do that, right? We, we get discouraged with somebody in a relationship or, you know, I, I get it all the time being a pastor. Hey, uh, you know what, PG? Um, I heard that they don't like this or they think it's too loud. Anybody? Have you ever like helped support your point when you wanted to complain or gossip about something or somebody and you don't go, I think, you know, you go, hey, you know, there's some of us that think this and I always go, who, you and the mouse in your pocket? That's my father-in-law's joke. They, we all, they. I'm here to tell you that I, I... really dislike probably with a passion when people complain and they use the word they they say they do they want they think and the list goes on 
When Elijah said, they seek my life, that indicates to me that there's a a whole group of people, a number of people, not one person. I think what we say and how we communicate it matters a lot. Because the words we speak have power. Right? Anyway, in this condition... It's easy to say when you go, oh, when, when Elijah hears they want to kill me, they, and, and, and when we hear they all think or we all, uh, it's easy to say and, and, and think to ourselves, okay, well, nobody likes me. Nobody thinks I'm doing a good job. Never, you know, everybody hates me and they're mad at me that I'm not wearing socks. They, when it's really just Mark Hanskin <laughs> watching from Florida. And then what do we do? Well, I'm pretty discouraged, so I I think I'll go to the social media, the Facebook, and post some ambiguous post about why I'm totally discouraged and upset so people can start chiming in going, oh, what's wrong, PG? Oh, nothing. (laughs) It's all good. I want us to take note of Elijah's attitude here. Before the picture we saw that was of Elijah, it was on his knees and it was thanking God and and praying for rain. Now he's begging for God to kill him. You know what happened to Elijah? Fear replaced his faith. Spiritual freshness has become spiritual stagnation. And I think some of us can relate to that this morning. Elijah took his eyes off God, right? Took his eyes off God, and he began to walk by his own sight. If it's any constellation, Elijah wasn't alone in this. Elijah is not alone in the Scripture. There were other people who made a bad choice. Genesis 13.10, it says, Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. And at that moment, he made a choice. Lot made a choice. But the very next thing recorded of him is this. He moved in to Sodom. Numbers 13.26-33 tells the story of the majority report of the 12 men sent by Moses to go spy in the land of Canaan. And it says this, he said, uh, they said, we saw the giants. And they freaked out and they were afraid because it says, and we were in our own sight, their own sight. They saw themselves because they were focused on themselves as little grasshoppers. not able to take on the giants. We, most of us know who Peter was. What did Peter do when he got out of the boat? He walked on water. Peter walked on water as long as he kept his eyes locked on who? Jesus. Keep your eyes locked on Jesus and you can do things beyond anything you could imagine. 
Peter was walking on water, and it was, it, it was when and only when his attention was diverted and he looked at the terrifying water around him that things started to go wrong. He looked everywhere else but right at Jesus, and he started to drown. So here, while Elijah kept his eyes on God, he didn't fear. He had no fear, but when he looked at his situation, when he focused on his situation, minus God, what happened? His faith disappeared. Fear mounted, and Elijah ran for his life. Never recognizing the cause the actual cause of his discouragement. But now, if you and I want to conquer discouragement, when we're faced with discouragement, what we must do, we have to recognize the cause. But you have to do more than just recognize the causes. You also must understand the consequences. I think most of us, if, if we accepted and owned and walked with God through our consequences rather than put a lot of time and energy and effort trying to avoid the consequences of our stupid decisions, we would have a much richer life. I think walking through our consequences with God, we will always come out better than when we entered them. When Elijah ran for his life, you know what he was doing? He was saying, forget the, the call of God on my life. Forget the purpose that God put on my life. He was forsaking his purpose. Because you've got to remember that Israel was a nation. They were headed back to God. And a real revival was about to take place. And the people were shouting, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. But God's man was miles under, uh, away, under a broom tree, praying to die. Because his discouragement made him desert God's purpose. Not desert like the good, man. <laughs> but his discouragement has deserted God's purpose for his life. He went into the wilderness tired. He went into this, this wilderness frustrated. He went into this wilderness discouraged. Sounds like Mike Monday. And he sat down under a tree and he begged God to take his life. You see how inconsistent this is? The reason why he left Jezreel in a hurry was because of a threat on his life. And now he asks God to take his life. What would happen if God had honored Elijah's request? Let's, let's kind of think through that for a second. What if God said, okay, I'll grant your requests. If God had done what Elijah had asked, I truly believe he would have died completely defeated. He would have never heard God's voice. Elijah would have never founded the school of prophets. Elijah uh, would have never been 
uh, able to commission Elisha to succeed him. And he would never have lost out, or he would have lost out on a fiery chariot ride to glory. When Elijah sat down under that juniper tree, he put himself at the center of the universe, and it's what we do. When we're discouraged and we put ourselves at the center of the universe and we put God on the fringe. I, somebody needs to hear that today. When we, put God, when we put ourselves at the center of the universe, we are pushing God to the fringe. And that's what Elijah was doing. Jezebel got after him and she became... <laughs> His central thought, this woman is out to get me. And what did he do? What all of us do when we're discouraged? We start feeling sorry for ourselves. Elijah started feeling sorry for himself. And you understand what Elijah's doing, right? I mean, we have lived many times that same scenario. Many of us now, watching online or in-house, we're living it right now. We have deserted God's purpose for us. And we sit under the consequences rather than allowing God the victory. And besides forsaking his purpose, Elijah began to think negatively. 150 miles south of the place of where he experienced victory, uh, victory, the discouraged man of God became a negative thinker. Consequently he, uh, consequently, he visualizes himself no better than his fathers and the only uh, true follower of God left in the world. I mean, didn't the writers of, of or the writer of Proverbs say, you know, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he? The way a man thinks will eventually determine how he lives his life. That's why it's so important to have the mind of Christ. We need to focus on the good. We need to focus on the true. We need to focus on what is pure, right, and noble. We need to focus on what is beautiful, and we need to stop worrying. Because the consequences of discouragement are a lost purpose and a negative train of thought. Here's what we need to do. We need to say, I reject that and I accept God's cure. We need, we need, I, need I accept that and I, or I reject that and I accept the cure. Why? Because God is so gracious, God is so kind, God is so patient, and even in the very middle of Elijah's discouragement, God was at work trying to get him to accept his cure. And accepting the cure means to look at God's care. Although Elijah's state of mind was not what God wanted, he continued to tenderly reach out to his servant. And we read where it says an angel touched him and told him to do what? Get up and eat. Now, you got to note that we don't read that the angel had helped him before. I mean, the ravens came and fed him. The widow came and gave him some bread. And he had consumed water from a stream, but never water drawn by the hands of an angel. 
from the river of God. He had eaten bread and meat supplied by ravens, but he had never had angel food cake. (laughs) So why this tender, loving care? Because a special manifestation of love was needed to convince the prophet that he was still loved. God didn't forget how different the outcome might have been had it not been for him who cares for the discouraged. That's God's care. That's God's care. And the truth is, God desires to walk with you. Elijah could have commanded his private servant to remain behind. But there is no way Elijah could have escaped the companionship of God. And that should encourage all of us, every single one of us in this room. That should encourage us when we feel alone in our discouragement. Listen, Psalm 139.7 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, guess what? You are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will do what? guide me your right hand will hold me fast you cannot escape God if you're running from God you know what those words make you feel uncomfortable but if you're not running from God they bless your soul my God will never leave me God is with me And then from there, that still small voice of God. He ends up doing a new work in Elijah's life. Not only does he pull him out of discouragement, but he gives him a commission. Elijah stood at the entrance of a cave on Mount Horeb. The sky blackened. The wind tossed boulders down the mountain and broke them into pieces. And Elijah's going, this must be God. But nope. God wasn't in the wind. Then an earthquake convulsed the land. Elijah said, this is the Lord. But guess what? God wasn't in the earthquake. See, we kind of look for God in these massive mega events, don't we? I mean, even the people in in Jesus' time, they were waiting for a Messiah to come and big horse, sword drawn, but he came as a baby. After the earthquake, there was a fire. Elijah said, ha, okay, this is God. But it wasn't God. Although I do believe the band Earth, Wind, and Fire is a very... No, I'm kidding. (laughs) It's biblical. After the the, the fire, there was this still small voice the sound of, 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 of gentle stillness. And God spoke. God, it's funny how, you know, the enemy will shout lies at you, right? You're no good. You think you can make a difference? You're not qualified. But when God speaks, 
he comes up close and he goes, hey, Clem, you got this. I'm right here. What did he do to Elijah? He said, Elijah, why are you still here? Why are you still here? What are you doing here, Elijah? I mean, how often do we continue hearing that question in our own life? When a follower of Christ goes to a place that we shouldn't go, when a follower of Christ watches or binge watches something we shouldn't, when a follower of Christ reads or you know, clicks on anything that corrupts our mind and soils our soul, when your friends are harmful to your spiritual growth, like a thunderbolt out of clear blue sky, this still small voice, you hear it. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? My friends, why are you and I so rebellious and so disobedient? God doesn't want us to live in those places. You know what He wants us to do? He wants us to overcome those things. So why don't we listen? God offered a cure to Elijah's troubled soul. He commissioned him, ready for this, for a new work. The same kind of new work He will do for us if we're just as receptive to God's instructions. 1 Kings 19.15 says, Go back the way you came, Elijah, and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazel king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, the son of that word, from Abel, no, Saphat, 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 tomato, tomato, to succeed you as prophet. God had more work for Elijah to do because he's, you know, once he's dead, he's done. He had, com- he had a commission, a purpose to fulfill and to let him know that discouragement is overcome by obeying and being in the will and living out the purpose of God for his life. I'm going to invite the worship team up. I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning. Because I know a lot of us, it's going to take a few days to kind of um, distill through a lot of what I said and apply it to your life. I get it. Because discouragement is a weight that most of us carry around in some area of our life and it's too great to bear. Or it feels that way. But the power of God, the, very, the resurrection power that uh, raised Jesus from the dead is the same that lives within each one of us who have fully surrendered ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. There's nothing we cannot overcome. There is one name above, whatever, however you define your discouragement, there is one name above all names. And that is Jesus. I'm not here to proclaim how He will overcome anxiety, fear, depression, oppression. I don't know. I'm not God. 
but I know he can because he's done it in my life. Listen, discouragement is real. You are lying to yourself if you think it is not. Discouragement is real, but it doesn't have to be debilitating. It doesn't, it, it's, it's not the beginning of giving up. I would argue that the, the safest, most effective place to be discouraged is right here in church. Let that sink in for a second. Because the enemy of your soul wants to isolate you. He tried to do that with Jesus. And when he isolates you, that's when he knows he, ha he has you. And he can start obliterating your identity in Christ. I would argue that the most safest place is to be surrounded by... You know, I, listen, PG, I, I'm all in. But I also, I know I'm discouraged. And I'm questioning if God's really going to pull through or not. That's okay. Every single one of us in this room feels the same way at some point or another. But the safest place that you can be discouraged is right here at church, surrounded by others who can pray for you, support you, walk with you, talk, encourage you. I know that discouragement can be conquered. I know that you can overcome discouragement. You can do it. You, and listen, I don't know who needs to hear this today, but you do not need to re uh, resign. You don't need to resign. You simply need to be reassigned. And God is willing to do it. And my question in closing today is, are you? Are you? Listen, I know. Some of you have significant discouragements. I'm not diminishing that. I'm not trying to cast it off or shove it aside. Many of us have some significant discouragement in our lives. Whether it's our job, whether it's our relationships, finances, whether it's our health, whether it's our emotional health, whatever it is, we all have discouragement in our life. And that's what I want to pray for this morning as we close and we enter into worship. Define it. Define whatever, put a name on your source of discouragement. You cannot defeat what you cannot define. Define it. Let's lift it up to God. Can we do that this morning? Father God, as we come to the close of our time together today, we thank you for the powerful truth that, you, that we have heard today. We acknowledge that discouragement is very real and prevalent, and it's a struggle in our lives. Just like the prophet Elijah, we too can find ourselves feeling overwhelmed and defeated, losing sight of your presence and purpose for us. But Lord, we are reminded that even in our darkest moments, you never leave us. You never forsake us. Your love and care for us is unending and your desire to walk with us through every trial is evident. Father, help us to recognize the causes of our discouragement in our lives. And instead of dwelling on the negative thoughts, help us to focus on your goodness and your grace. 
We pray that we may truly understand the consequences of giving in to discouragement, how it can lead us away from your purpose for our lives, and it can keep us from fulfilling the purpose and assignment that you give us. May we reject the grip of discouragement on our lives and we accept the cure, your care, that you offer us through your love and through your guidance. And Father, just as you commissioned Elijah for a new work and a new purpose, we pray that you would also commission us, Father, to continue serving you wholeheartedly, even in the face of challenges and in the face of discouragement. Father, fill us with your strength, your wisdom, and courage to press on in faith, knowing that you are always by our side. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for the community of fellow believers that surround us, a place called Creekside Church where we can find support, prayer, and encouragement. May we lean on one another, lifting each other up in times of need so that we may overcome the weight of discouragement together. And as we leave this place today, may your presence go with us out those doors and may your peace guard our hearts and our minds and help us to remember that with you, all things are possible. And through you, we can conquer discouragement and walk in the fullness of your purpose for our lives. And Father, we offer this prayer in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Let's worship in victory this morning.